Welcome to the Arrive Podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians. I am Jeremy Richards, and I'm here with my business partner and fellow immigration attorney, Christine Jerusik. Together, we are Richards and Jerusik Immigration Law, practicing U.S. immigration law from our offices in Buffalo, New York, and Toronto, Ontario. And we help Canadians to work and live in the United States. If you haven't already, please follow and like us on your podcast app. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Richards and Jerusik Immigration Law. And follow us and like us on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, for regular updates on U.S. immigration law uh, that we have created just for Canadians. Uh, in addition, on our website, there is a resources tab where you can subscribe to a weekly newsletter where you will receive all our recent updates and posts about U.S. immigration law as well. Today on the Arrive podcast, we will be talking specifically about TN visas. Uh, we will be talking about the top five myths or misconceptions that people have about TN visa status. And we're also going to be talking about why we think that the TN visa is one of the best pathways for Canadians to work and live in the United States. Debunking some of these myths. There's a lot of misconceptions about TNs. A lot of misunderstanding of what you can and can't do in TN status. Um, but it's also one of the best ways for Canadians to be able to, to come to the United States and to pursue a career here. And eventually, uh, contrary to popular belief, eventually get U.S. permanent residence. So we wanted to talk about a recent client success story. Actually, we had two of them. Christine represented one of the clients and I represented the other one. Uh, and they both had a similar situation. They both were married to U.S. citizens, but their marriages were less than two years. If you Under U.S. immigration law, if your marriage is is younger than two years, your green card through that marriage is limited to a two-year time period and a conditional green card. At the end of that two-year time period, you need to prove that you're either still married or, in the cases that we're referring to, if that marriage did end for some reason and ended through divorce, you have to prove that when you entered into that marriage that you did enter it into it for love and not for immigration benefits before they will then finally give you a permanent 10-year green card. So both these cases we're referring to both ended in a divorce. Both of the relationships ended prematurely. So they had to file what's called a removal of conditions uh, at the end of their temporary green card in order to then receive this permanent green card. Right, and if you file together with your spouse, if you're still married, you file it um, jointly. If you file it, and, and in that case, it's easier, is, right? Yes. Because you're still together. You have joint bank accounts, right. joint lease. So that's the ideal situation. Maybe you have a child at that point, whatever it might be. Right. But if your relationship is over, then you have to file based on a waiver. You're waiving the requirement that your spouse be involved in the process. Um, and that filing that way can be a little more difficult because now you're trying to show that the relationship was real, even though it already ended. Um, and the, you know it seems to be that there's a presumption there. Uh, with these types of cases, that unless you give sufficient evidence to show that the relationship was real, they'll presume it wasn't, and they won't issue you a 10-year green card. And it can be tricky, because if you got the initial conditional green card, and this is what they're looking for, people, and then you never live with your spouse, and you ended up getting a divorce, I, I, that's what they're looking for here. If you come in on that conditional green card, but you never cohabitate, you never enter into an actual marital relationship, 
That's a huge red flag. So even if it ends in divorce, you still want to see that there was a period of time that you did live in as a as a couple it, in marital union. Even if it were for you know a year, a year and a half, and then you divorced. If you show up and you have no evidence that you ever lived together and you try to remove conditions based on divorce, they're going to presume that you never actually uh, were a couple, never lived together. But both of these cases, you, my client hadn't filed for divorce yet, but they were in the process of it. So we filed the removal of conditions requesting the waiver based on divorce, and then later we're able to supplement after the divorce was final to USCIS and then get it approved. Yeah, mine proceeded in the same way, and in my case, the spouse was very difficult that um, they had a mental illness, and the uh, achieving the divorce, especially you know with COVID and all of that, was very difficult um, to get completed in time. Um, and part of this process is that USCIS is going to ask for that finalized divorce paper, and if you don't have that when they yeah, need they it, they won't approve it. They won't approve the application, um, and they could deny it, which could be really harmful and ha- require you possibly filing all over again, um, or even getting your green card revoked. So, um, you know. The divorce in my case came through at the last minute. We request had a request for evidence, and we had it in hand when when um, we needed it. Um, Did yours have a final it. interview or no? No, they weren't required to attend an interview. Yeah, ours didn't either. So both interviews were waived in this case. A lot of times they will have a final interview if you're doing it based on divorce, because they want to they want to speak to you. They want to verify whether or not this was legitimate and uh, question you about it. But in both cases, that means we submitted sufficient evidence for our clients that they were able to have the interview waived. So if you haven't already, uh, please subscribe to the podcast and rate us, give us a review, uh, share it with, with those out there that you think would find this content helpful. Also what we're trying to do. And if you go to our website, you'll see this once you go and you go under the arrive podcast, it'll give you an opportunity to submit a question that you want answered live on the podcast. And what we mean by live is we would schedule a time for you to call into the office for a 30, 30 minute free case assessment. And then we would air that live on the arrive podcast for others to hear and, and to be engaged in, in actual immigration stories, just like the one we shared. Let's move on to understanding the TN visa and, and the top five myths surrounding TN visa status. So if you're not familiar with the TN status. Um, it's a non-immigrant status that allows Canadian and Mexican citizens to come and work in the United States. Um, it's limited to certain professions, though. So there's a list, a specific list of professions that you must be working in in order to qualify. Um, it was created initially under the North American Free Trade Agreement, um, also referred to as NAFTA, which was replaced by um, the USMCA or U- the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement um, about two years ago, I would say. And the whole purpose of it is to strengthen economic ties um, in North America between Mexico, Canada, and the United States. And if you can think about it globally, it's to allow us to be competitive with like the European Union um, and and Asian unions as well. So um, it it serves a great purpose and allows for mobility of certain professions. So on to the myths that, you know, some beliefs that people have, and we, we hear these a lot when people call in. Um, to ask us questions about their TN status or about um, getting TN status. So the first one we hear a lot is, um, 
the myth is that TN status doesn't have to have a path or doesn't have a pathway to permanent residency. So you have to get on an H-1B visa or something like that that allows for permanent residency and you can't do it from, can't move from TN to green card. And I would say that's one of the biggest misconceptions about the TN visa is that you cannot go to a green card. When in reality, and, and like you said, everyone thinks, oh, I got to get an H-1B first. Well, the pathway from an H-1B visa to a green card is exactly the same pathway as a TM visa to a green card through PERM, or labor certification process. They follow the same exact path. Or if an H-1B visa holder marries a U.S. citizen or a U.S. permanent resident, then you can go through your spouse. Same thing with a TN. Now, I think a lot of that lies in the fact that an H-1B visa is what's called a dual intent visa, which means you can choose to immigrate through on and in when you're under H-1B visa status, whereas the TN visa is a single intent visa. It's, it's supposed to be non-immigrant, meaning you shouldn't have the intention to immigrate while you're on a TN. However, your intent can change. You can enter on a TN. If your intent changes, you get married to a U.S. citizen, your employer decides to make your job permanent, guess what? You can follow through with that if done properly to go to a green card. So absolutely complete myth. You can go from a TN visa to a green card, either through employment or marriage, if done properly. Yes, if done properly. That's the that's the caveat right there. So there are lots of ways to trip up that process. So you just want to make sure you work with somebody who's familiar with it. All right. Myth number two, all professions qualify for TN status. It's just a matter of fitting a, fitting your profession under one of the listed ones. Or, I mean, some people think, hey, I'm Canadian, so I want this TN thing oh, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm a, and we see this a lot, I, I'm a, in a profession that's in demand, which you might be. Oh, yeah. And they think that automatically qualifies for a TN. Uh, it was airline I'm, pilots recently. Airline were pilots. Very high in demand, and they thought, it, we got a lot of calls from people wanting to get TN status as not an available. airline mechanic. Nope, it's not on the list. And we see a lot of aircraft technicians, yes. right? Not on the list either. Yeah. Uh, radiological technicians, um, oh, not on the list either. A lot of healthcare, healthcare professions. professions that just aren't on the list. A lot of IT professions too. So you have to check uh, the list. Long haul truck driver, CDL, yeah. is not on the list. So you can keep going on and on. Sales professionals, uh, marketing professionals, mm -hmm. those in advanced positions in companies, maybe your CEO, director of a company. A lot of managerial professions don't qualify. So uh, not all professions qualify. Just because you're Canadian and you want to work in the U.S., and, and uh, I think a lot of it might come from the way Canadian immigration works versus U.S. because they do have open work permits in Canada. There's no such thing as an open work permit in the United States. There is not a similar thing in the United States where you where you can get an open work permit. These are tied to employment, tied to professions, tied to your education. If you don't fit nicely in one of those listed occupations under the USMCA, yeah. you can't get That's a TN. That's kind of another myth, right? That you don't need an employer to sponsor you, that you can self-apply self for your TN at the border. Just go in and tell them that you're coming to work in one of those professions. So, you know, that's that's kind of another myth, right? That we could maybe put as 2A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's another myth that we often hear. It's that um, 
Converting from a TN to an H-1B visa implies immigrant intent. Yeah, and this goes back to myth number one, where you can't go from a TN to a green card. You get you have to be, get that H-1B first. And I'm not sure why people think this, because you can change back and forth between statuses all you want in the United States. You can go from a TN to a visitor or a visitor to a TN or a visitor to an H-1B uh, from an e-visa to a TN visa, you can cross back and forth between any visa statuses that you want as long as you qualify for it, then you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the misconception here is because the H-1B visa is a dual intent visa that they think that if you get an H-1B, it, it implies that you have an Im- immigrant intent. No, absolutely not the case. Um and, and we do this a lot. So I, a lot. I, I'm, and you can go back from, yeah, you can go back from an H1B back to a TN after you're on an H1B. It has yeah, and, zero impact. And one of the classic scenarios we see here is someone who comes in as a management consultant. So a business hires somebody to come in and assess a problem and, you know, give some advice on how to solve an issue. And that business then recognizes the person after they've been working there for a few months or a few years that, hey, you know what, they would really make a great manager. We would like to, you know, promote them into a management level type position and get them off this contract and get them as an employee. And so they'll call us and say, hey, we, you know, had this management consultant, but we want to make them a manager now. They're going to be our marketing manager, whatever it is. Um, But that requires a change of status. So now they're not eligible for the TN as a management level position. They've got to get to an H-1B. And so we've helped plenty of people switch from a management consultant position um, to a management level position in businesses just by switching from TN to H1B. Definitely does not. You can go back and forth all you want. Yep. Certainly can. All right. And then, so myth number four, TN visa holders can start their own businesses on a TN. No, (laughs) you cannot be self-employed on a TN visa under TN visa status. And it can get a little tricky, uh, Again, this goes, might go back to the open work permit discussion. There's no such thing in the United States. It's tied to an employer. If it's not tied to an employer, it's tied to a contract. And we see that a lot where it's a Canadian company that might have a contract that they need to service in the United States. Then they can send an employee down to service that contract on a TN visa. Or maybe you are a consultant in Canada and you have U.S. clients then you can consult with your U.S. clients if it if it qualifies under TN visa status. But you cannot be self-employed. But some people don't understand that, and they think that if they're in Canada and you have your own company and you're servicing a U.S. client, that that's self-employment. It's not. Not under U.S. immigration law because your visa is still tied to that contract with the U.S. entity. Without that contract then you wouldn't be able to get the visa. So just having a contract with a U.S. company, that's not considered self-employment for U.S. immigration purposes because that arrangement for you to get that TN is tied to the contract between your Canadian company and the U.S. company. Now, if you came to the U.S. and you opened up a U.S. company, and we have people ask if they can do this all the time, Mm -hmm. can I do a contract between my U.S. company and a U.S. company? No. In that scenario, it is considered self-employment. You cannot do that. Not on a TN visa. Um, They won't allow you to operate your own U.S. entity, self-employment, in the U.S. and do that. However, if your company is in Canada, that scenario does work. 
because it's a Canadian entity, not a U.S. entity. So you can't go U.S. to U.S. Right. And there are other um, visa options for those self-employment scenarios that we can you know, usually help people with. So Yeah. E-1 visa is the one that comes to top, top of my mind if you're servicing contracts like that, that might be applicable or even in E-2. But yep. yeah, there are other arrangements. The, e, the TN visa is not if you're being self-employed. You will be denied TN status if, if they find out you're self-employed. All right. Myth number five. Canadians don't need a visa to work in the U.S. They can just come in as a visitor and, and do whatever they need to do. Mm. <laughs> I think a lot of that, that comes. The buzzer? <laughs> yes, the buzzer. <laughs> I think that a lot of that comes from the the ease of transfer or the ease of a Canadian to be able to come to the United States to visit. Right? You can just show up, smile, wave, enter the United States with a passport. Yeah, they're visa exempt. So visa exempt. Yeah. Well, your a TN visa falls under the same thing. When you show up at the border, they don't actually put a, a visa foil in your passport, a visa right. you know, really, sticker in there. I think it's really more properly referred to as as TN status. Not because yes. the, you know, for especially for Canadians, because there is no visa requirement. So we should probably more properly refer to it as TN. It is status, status. Yeah. for Canadians. It's TN status. Yeah. Where for a Mexican, for example, it is a TN visa because they have to have a TN visa before they enter. The Canadian does not. They just are admitted in TN status right at the port of entry. But absolutely any foreign national, and this doesn't doesn't just apply to Canadians, any foreign national that wants to work in the United States must have proper work authorization before they do so. Nobody that is not a U.S. citizen can work in the United States without first obtaining proper work authorization, not even Canadians. Even if you can show up tomorrow and just cross the border with a smile and a wave, you cannot start working. You're not admitted to work. You're admitted as a not as uh, and visa exempt Canadian as a visitor. Yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to take that risk and, you know, start working under the table in the U.S. or doing some, you know, flipping houses or whatever it is and, and making money in the U.S., uh, be careful because to this is your caught. yeah this is your ability to travel to the United States that you're putting at risk so or your livelihood I mean you people True. put a lot of money up on that right and that we've had we had that happen yeah. many times oh I've been in the U.S. for three years Flip, living in flipping houses yeah really how oh I just <laughs> came in as a you know on my passport really yeah and then now you've overstayed your visa by let's say a year. You depart the United States, you could get a 10-year bar upon entry to the United States again. And believe me, they're they're tracking the time that you're spending inside and outside the U.S. So you may get away with it for a little while. Eventually, you're going to get caught, though. All right, so we have another client success story. Jeremy, you moved someone from TN visa to H-1B visa, back to the TN visa, back to a second H-1B, and then did a perm for them to get them a green card. This sounds like a lifelong client. Been my client for 12 years, actually. Wow. wow. So one of the first clients that I had um, on a TN management consultant, he approached because he was denied. He had worked with another attorney. He was a denied. This is when we were able to help. And you, and you know this. We were able to go to the port of entry and meet clients in person. Oh, yeah. And actually Good help them days. through the process. <laughs> and so... I helped him construct his TN application as a management consultant, no degree. So he was able to do it oh. simply on education. Or and you mean all, experience. Or on experience, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no degree, <laughs> no education. 
simply on experience, was able to get his TN as a management consultant. Then we were able to get him in the H-1B visa lottery and an H-1B based on a degree equivalency for his three years experience to one year education. So he had over 12 years of experience that would then qualify him for the H-1B. Then for one reason or another, I think it was ease, he went back to TN because you can just get it at the border. Then he was as a management consultant, however, and those can be really difficult to extend. I'm guessing this is for different employers, not all the same. Yeah, there were, I think, three employers along the way in here, or maybe even four. Um, And they wouldn't extend his TN because he was a management consultant, but he still had remaining time on the H-1B because you get a six-year time frame on the H-1B. So he still had a remaining time frame that allowed us to then move him back to an H-1B while he's waiting for the employer to do the PERM process or the labor certification process. And then he eventually got a green card. Um, and they actually just got him, I think the final green card arrived this week. So long journey. And we had to, we had to pull some, some tricks in there and, um, you know, use these statuses the best we could to his advantage to enable him to stay in the United States that entire time period until he found an employer that was willing to stick with him through the process and eventually get a green card. So that, that actually is a, a, a huge success story. It certainly uh, is. Many years in the making. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the Arrive podcast, please do so. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Also, another plug that if you want to be on the podcast, Go to our website and you can, under the Arrive podcast, you'll find a place where you can submit your question to be answered live on the air. And when we do that, we'll do a, a free case assessment as we review and answer your question. And, and then we can have you live on the Arrive podcast. So now that we've debunked the top five myths surrounding TN visas, we're going to discuss a little bit about why the TN visa is the optimal path for Canadians seeking to work and live in the USA. And I have to um, classify that a bit because it's the optimal path for Canadians in one of the professions, in one of the TN professions that are seeking to work and live in the United States. There are other paths for people that are not on that TN list of occupations. So, you know, we'd like to maybe compare the TN with some other types of visas like the H-1B or E-2 or even the L visa um, to show you why it is really a, a great option. I think one of the the main reasons, well, H-1B, I think the big advantage of a TN or H-1B is no lottery. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can just go to the border and get it. Yeah. H-1B was less than 10% of people that went in the H-1B visa lottery this year even got in. Um, and there's a six-year limit on that. So for that reason, I, those reasons primarily, I think the TN is way better than H-1B. Uh, also, way cheaper to get the, the filing fees, the cost to get an a, a TN are much less than an H-1B. Yeah, and E-2 as well, because E-2, you have to wait for an appointment at the consulate in order to get approved for that. If you need to travel, um, which most of our Canadian clients like to do, we do, don't want to be stuck in the United States. So, And the E-2 is really self-employment, too. It is, yeah. And you have to upfront a hundred grand or more yeah. in order to get that. So right. there's a huge upfront cost. No investment requirement with a TN. There's no wait time uh, for approval on a TN. Um, you can just start working right away once you get approved. And then the L1 requires international employment. So a, a company that has a U.S. office and a Canadian office, and then they're willing to transfer you to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in that situation... Great. It is a, it's an excellent option, but very few people find themselves in that situation. 
Uh, so very few people can take advantage of that. Absolutely. So reason number two would be, I think, the quick processing time of TNs, which we kind of just touched on. Um, you can make an application at the border and get a same-day decision. That's pretty rare in the immigration world to get a decision same day. Um, it really is only an option available for Canadians. There's not really any other same-day decision type statuses for anybody else in the world uh, that is available to come in and work in the United States. So um, that's a definite benefit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We How many times do we get people to say, I have a job offer and they want me to start in two weeks? Yeah. If you're not a Canadian, you're not getting that job in your no. foreign national. Yeah. There's no way. And there's many times we've had to, you know, be the bearers of bad news where somebody needs an H-1B for that job. And you're like, well, the lottery is next April. And if you get in the lottery, if you, if you're lucky enough, then you can't even start till October. And they're like, really? Yeah, really. Unfortunately, that's your only option. Whereas if a Canadian comes and their job's on the professions list, we say, absolutely. Give us a week. We can have the paperwork ready as long as your employer is willing to help you with the TN visa process. We'll have you at a port of entry or pre-flight inspection and you're on your way and you're ready to work. Yep. Yeah, there isn't really another option like that. The only one I can think of would be the L1 application at the border for Canadians. For Canadians, again. Again, yeah, but that's that requires at least 12 months and you have to transfer to a company that's uh, organizationally related to your, your Canadian or non-U.S. company. So a lot more restrictions on that. But that is another advantage to being a Canadian, yeah. right? Because yeah. other other countries can't apply for a TN at a, at, or an L1 visa at the border. Only Canadians. Absolutely. So another reason that a TN could be considered, you know, advantageous um, over other options are that they're indefinitely renewable. So there's no limit on the amount of years you can spend in the United States in TN status. As H-1B, we mentioned previously, six-year limit. And then you'd have to depart the United States for at least a year, get back into the lottery to then be able to come in for another six-year time period. L-1 visa, depending on if you're L-1B, it's a five-year limit. If you're an L-1A, it's a seven-year limit. There are some exceptions to both of those. But in general, all of those have a cap of five, six, or seven years of time in the United States under that visa before you can start another term and you have to depart the United States, reset to come back in. Whereas a TN, you can keep renewing every three years indefinitely with yeah. no limit. But just keep in mind, those three years are temporary. So when you're preparing paperwork for a TN, you want to make sure it, it classifies it as a temporary status. So even though you can renew it, yeah, and you no, know, no permanent times, employment it's not a permanent situation. Yeah, so um, that's just a little bit of a caveat there. So the fourth reason we think TNs are great is that there's no labor certification required and, or formal sponsorship in, in the uh, way that one would be required for H-1B. Yeah, and so labor certification refers to working with the Department of Labor. U.S. Department of Labor. If you're uh, if you're on an H-1B, for example, you have to get what's called a prevailing wage to make sure that you're making enough money for that position in the United States. You're not undercutting the U.S. labor market. 
Um, and you also have to file a labor condition application where you submit this, these findings with the Department of Labor and they certify that before you can even get the H-1B visa. It's funny that you think of it that way as the, the immigrant would be undercutting the U.S. labor market because I think of it totally different. I think of it as we don't want the employers offering, um, you know, intending immigrants a lower wage than they would have to pay if they were hiring a U.S. worker. Yeah, that's another way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Paying them substandard wages. Right, yeah, yeah like yeah. kind of luring them in, yep. like, hey, you know. And, That's what and it's getting, to prevent. Yeah, and getting like a, a, you know, bad wage labor market. Yeah, yeah I mean, going that's what it's to, to prevent. Yeah, but. going back to union days where people were, you know, slave labor, and that's why unions yeah. came in. That's the same concept here, right? The yeah. Department of Labor wants to make sure that's not happening. Um, and then the sponsorship requirement, too. For an H-1B, for example, you have to file both this labor condition application and a petition with USCIS before you can even get an H-1B visa. And both USCIS and the Department of Labor have to approve that before you can even get that H-1B. Well, a TN, you don't have to do that if you're Canadian. You can just show up at a port of entry with a simple sponsorship letter or offer letter and, and the supporting documents. I'm simple, simplifying it, obviously. But yeah. if you have the right documentation, you don't have to ask the Department of Labor for permission. You don't have to ask USCIS per, for permission. There are no special forms that you have to file. You show up with the proper documentation in support of the position in the United States and your qualifications, they'll approve you on the spot. That is a great benefit. So the last reason we can think of for TNs to be advantageous over other options is that the transition to U.S. permanent residence or a green card is not hindered at all by having a TN. So it's the same exact process you would use if you were in another status. Yeah, we debunked this myth earlier, yeah, right? We did. You, through perm and labor certification, if you're on a TN, your employer can sponsor you or a green card or your spouse could sponsor you or a family member exactly and we've done many of those we've had parents sponsor children's siblings sponsor siblings uh, employers sponsor employees if it's done correctly and you're in the united states in a valid tn mm -hmm. then through what's called adjustment of status you can remain here and get a green card now right. there are timing issues and intent issues that need to be dealt with, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. And we've even approached this the other way where I have people call me and say, hey, I'm getting married to a U.S. citizen, but we want to be together now. Like, we don't want to have to wait a year and a half to get our, um, you know, our consular visa through consular yeah. processing. So I'll ask them what profession they work in and suggest, hey, maybe you want to come in, get a job in the United States um, on a TN if you're thinking of possibly... Um, you know, getting a green card, see what it's like to be together, you know, while you're, you know, get married and things like that. And plenty of these people, even though they're on a TN, they don't adjust status in the United States. They want to be able to travel and they want to be able to, you know, do that. Maybe, they, you know, they have family in Canada they want to see. So they'll go through the consular processing route. But in the meantime, they're able to live together in the United States in a, on a temporary basis with their spouse while they're yep. working. Yep, you have both approaches. So if you don't want to deal with the consulate, you can adjust. Or like you said, if you want to continue to travel, you can you can continue to do that as long as you do it correctly. Mm -hmm. And then you consulate process. Uh, again, <laughs> I'm obviously a huge proponent of the TN visa. Uh, we deal with Canadians all the time throughout this process. 
TN visa is an amazing option. If you're in one of those, happen to be in a profession that qualifies for TN status, uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And again, I think the primary one comes around that intent and, um, and not the ability of not being able to go to a green card. So hopefully we were able to, to clear up a lot of these misconceptions about uh, the TN visa and clarify that for you today and why we think it's advantageous. If you're a Canadian and you want to work and live in the United States and, and you are in one of those qualifying professions, uh, we could definitely assist you with that TN visa process. So next week, as an introduction to what we'll be discussing our next time around, we will be going a little bit in, into some specifics on U.S. permanent residency options for Canadians. And we get asked Including this. Including the TN to green card process. In going, delving into that TN to green card process. But also, what are your other green card options as a Canadian? We get asked that all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, I have calls all, all day long with people that are like, hey, you know, we're a family of four and we live in Canada and this is our employment situation or maybe we own a business. How can we come and live in the United States? We want to we want to come and live there. Um, and we go over all the options for people. So so they can see what what they're up against and what they need to do in their planning. And it's if that's your plan and that's your goal, um, you know, there's plenty of ways to go about it. Um, you just have to make sure that you plan well enough in advance to put all uh, everything in place so to make your application process much easier. And next week, we'll be digging into that specifically. So green card options for TN visa holders yep. and Canadians in general that, that want to make the U.S. their permanent residence. So thanks for tuning in today. Again, uh, Reach out to us with any questions that you might have or experiences or suggestions for, for future topics. And another plug, please subscribe. Uh, tune in wherever you find your favorite podcast, uh, as well as visit our website. If you if you have a question that you want answered live on the RIDE podcast, reach out to us. We'd love to have you. Thank you for listening and have a great day.